0: Welcome, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. This is Brother Jimmy Fortunato, and you're listening to a sermon from the Pilgrim Baptist Church in Tennessee. For more information about our church, please visit us on the web at pilgrimbaptist.church. 2 Timothy chapter number 1, two passages that are going to contain a very important exhortation. Back in Paul's day, people are departing from the faith and the church needed those that would not depart from the faith, but earnestly contend for the faith, which is what the church needs right now in 2019. First number, we are on verse number 13 and look what the Bible says, hold fast the form of sound words, which thou hast heard of me in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your written word. Thank you for a more sure word of prophecy. Thank you we're all able to gather here freely this morning. We ask your blessing over the proclamation of your word. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. The form... There's a certain form, apparently, that goes along with sound words. The Bible says in Genesis 1-2, and the earth was without form. That's what it was. Nothing to it. No shape. Nothing. Isaiah 45-7 says, I form the light and create darkness. God had to step in and He formed the light. Isaiah 52 verse 14 says His visage was so marred more than any man and His form more than the sons of men. The form of your face can be just you can't even recognize the person. What is that? We see it in 2 Samuel 14 verse 20 to fetch about this form of speech there's a way of speaking that people can see that there's oh there's a certain form to that. It's the shape. It's the figure. It's the appearance of something. It's how something appears. It's how something comes out. Did you ever get in a conversation with somebody and you mean one thing, but they think you mean another and there's the miscommunication it happens all the time. They think you have one form of speech. You're trying to form it so that that person understands it. it, And there's a form. A sculpture. He starts out with a compound. And then he forms it and molds it. And then that form. And you see it. An artist starts out with a pencil sketch. Girls, do do you doodle with your pencil? And you sketch something? And then you trace over it with a marker and then you fill in the colors and then it forms into something. Let's turn over to Romans chapter number six. A preacher tries to do that. When you're witnessing to someone, you try to do that. You try to form sound words. Romans chapter six. Verse number 17 but God be thanked, we should do that every morning when we wake up, that ye were the servants of sin. Thank God for the word were. <laughs> That's not me anymore. But ye have obeyed from the heart. It's not head knowledge. You've got to have your heart has to believe that form of doctrine which was delivered to you the gospel. The gospel. It's a forming of the doctrine and we can't get away from that as a New Testament church. We have to be very, very clear on that. The Bible says of sound words. Hold fast the form of sound words. That's the requirement for a preacher. What do you you have to do to be qualified? Here's something right here. You have to hold fast to the form of sound words. That's how you know if a preacher is qualified. Does he do that? Number one, concerning the Gospel, can you tie as a believer the truths of the Gospel so that it fits together in a way that somebody can understand those truths? If, you, what is the best way for someone to really learn jiu-jitsu? Martial arts. They have to step out and they have to actually grapple or spar or roll with someone. Then they have to get out on the mat and they have to, they have to try a competition. And they have to get out there and they've got to fight. What's the best way for you to really learn how to tie the truths of the gospel in so that others can understand it? You got to get out there and you got to get in the fight. <laughs> Find someone to witness to. Find a door to knock on. Find a track to leave. Find something where you can publicly get into the fight. How are you going to hold fast the form of sound words? Number two, you've got to study the Bible yourself on your own. You can't just read books about the Bible. I do that. I'm not against that. I encourage that. That's a great thing to do. You actually have to study the Bible. You have to make sure any books you read, you filter through the Bible and you want to be careful that the, Bible, that the books don't influence you more than the Bible. Do you know how to cross-reference? Can you tie things in with context? Anytime you see a word in the Bible, find a cross-reference for it. Can you do these things? Hold fast the form of sound words. You've got to tie the truths together, but you've got to be able to study and read the Bible Yourself as well. And you know, holding fast the truth of sound words, it will provide a protected flock and it will provide a guarded group against error. Bible says every word of God is pure. If we change any of the words, if we leave any of the words out, what's going to happen? We're going to lose the form. If you make a sculpture a sculptor makes a a form, and you break the arm off, something's wrong with that. What's wrong with that? Hold fast the form of sound words. You give up the sound words, and that's when apostasy starts to creep in. Critic says the Bible contains the Word of God. The critic says the Bible expresses the Word of God. How about the Bible is right now the Word of God? How about it is the Word of God? I've got it in my hand. Every Word of God is pure. Thy Word is true. Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet. It is, right now, present tense. Hold fast. Hold fast. That's what we're told to do with the form of the sound words. Hold it. Every single falsehood Every single religious error is usually one, an overstatement. Number two, a one sided argument. Or number three, a truth that is devoid of all of the other truths. We need a healthy dose of the gospel. Spiritual battle, spiritual warfare, hold fast the form of sound words. When we get out there, we need to stick to the Gospel. The Gospel. And then the Bible says, "...which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus." It's not a denominational creed. It's not a dial of prayer. It's not an article of faith. It's not a statement of faith. It's not a covenant. It's not any of those things. And some of those things there's nothing wrong with besides the repeat of prayer. There's nothing wrong with having an article of faith. But if you're trusting, In something other than what Jesus Christ did for you, no matter what it it is, hey, I formed this. No. The form is in the sound words of the gospel. Have you trusted in what He did for you? It's in, look at it, Christ Jesus. Which thou hast heard of me in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. You want to find faith? It's in Christ Jesus. You want to find love? It's in Christ Jesus. What's your best evidence to a lost and dying world? Your best evidence as a a, a Christian. The demonstration of your love and the demonstration of your faith. Why? Because that's what they see. And people do go by what they see. You've got to demonstrate faith in a real way. And you've got to demonstrate love in a real way. Not to get saved, or not so that someone else gets saved, but that so that somebody else will actually listen to you because they see some type of physical evidence in your life. They will. They do. Why is it that People are okay with them drinking or drugging and doing all that. But they know if a preacher does it or a Christian does it, that's wrong. And it would make big news, you know. Headline, you know, Baptist preacher gets caught at the bar Saturday night, and you know, drunk DWI. It would it'd be big news. That would make the news. But it happens every Friday, Saturday night, all over. But you, Because everybody knows and the news knows and the lost and dying world knows. It's right for us, but we know it's wrong for those guys. They know in their hearts. So way, the way we live, the way we demonstrate what our faith is in, the way we demonstrate what we love communicates something to people. Little ones, listen up. Pay attention. Eyes on the preacher. You need to know this stuff. Evidence. I can see what you love. I can see what you have your faith in. You can see what others love. Kids, you know as well as I do that when mom and dad come home and all they ever want to do is sit in front of the idiot box (laughs) <laughs> I'll be politically correct, the TV, <laughs> that, that's what they love. Because every time you try to ask them a question, it's, don't interrupt my show. I'm watching, you know. As a child, if you grew up and the only thing your parents paid attention to was that box, you would know that they love that. And they've got their faith in that because it's evidence. You can see that. The wife comes home and all the husband ever does is tell her off, smack her around. and But he says he loves her. But his what he evidences in his life, his wife is just going to look at him and say, I don't believe you. And rightfully so. She shouldn't believe him because... People go by what they see. You can tell a lot by what someone loves and what they have their faith in by how they live their life. What comes in their mailbox? What comes up on their credit card statement? That's what they love. Your best evidence. My best evidence. Christian's best evidence is to live a life of faith and in love that is rightly placed in Jesus Christ. Can you do that? Can you try to do that? I'm going to try harder. The Bible says in 2 Timothy verse 1 verse 14 or chapter 1 verse 14, that good thing. It's that sacred trust in the ministry. Timothy is entrusted with the doctrines of Christ and it was his duty to transmit that truth. To others, oh boy, I just got this great little... And you see the kids come out of their Sunday school lesson and it's so great to see them excited. They've got the little foam thing that they put in water and it turns into a dinosaur or a flower or a sheep or whatever it is. Wow, you can't wait to tell others about that. You got it and you can't wait. Hey, that's a good thing. I like hearing that. I like seeing that. Hold your Bible. Kids, hold your Bible. You've got the word of God in your hand. Woo, you can tell somebody about that. Look at this. Look what I found. Look, you got to see this. It isn't going to turn into a little sheep, but you can point him to the good shepherd. Right? Yeah. And then the Bible says, that good thing which was committed unto thee. What are you committed to? Committed to your job? I hope so. I am. You committed to your family, to your wife, to your kids? I hope so. I am. You committed to your friends? I hope so you committed to sports or hobbies or cars or gardening or decorating or sewing? All of those things, they're not sinful at all. But are you committed unto those things more than you are committed unto the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ? That's a question we all have to ask personally. How do you know what you're committed to? What consumes your heart? In mind. Objective reality. That is what you are committed to. You're telling me that all I have to do is think about the Lord? Yes. In everything you do, do mightily unto the Lord. In everything you do, it doesn't matter if it's spouse, family, job, gardening, hobbies, sport, whatever. If it gets you off serving God or if it gets you off into a direction where that becomes an idol, then you got to deal with that thing. you got to deal with it. If sports takes me off into now I'm missing church, now that's all I'm thinking about, now I don't have time for the kids, now I don't... Each individual Christian has to deal with that. I mean, you can go on and on every Sunday. You know, these preachers have a sermon against sports, and then it's like, okay, so now what do you do with the people that, you know, decorating is their idol? Now, <laughs> now you need a sermon against decorating, and now what do you do when someone? It, I mean, none of these things are sin, but it's sin when it gets you into a place where God isn't important and it's an idol in your life. I think it's healthy for the boys to run around and play and do sports and all that. But I can also tell you, the the, 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 the largest stadiums that are built are football stadiums. And the biggest crowds are drawn on Sunday morning or Sunday night, Sunday afternoon, whenever they have the games. There's also that side too. You've got to deal with that. I'm not going to tell you, throwing a pigskin of the devil, but I'm certainly going to encourage you. What are you living for? Who are you living for? You have to deal with that. I dealt with it. It's a struggle. You like something, you enjoy it, you're good at it, you can help other people with it. They like it, they enjoy it. You get satisfaction out of that, right? Does any parent get satisfaction? About having their kid run across, you know, the rope and the track race, and his chest busts the rope, and you know, they get the photo and it is on face plan all week, and it's a great thing, right? Every parent loves that. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with competition. There's something wrong with idolizing something. So we can either isolate ourselves and say the only thing we're going to do is go back to the agrarian lifestyle and uh, that's it, and go to church and and sing Gregorian chants. And become so isolated and disconnected from the world, what happens? Well, the same thing's going to happen that happened in the garden. (laughs) Perfect environment. No sports, nothing going on. And guess what? The agrarian lifestyle, and they blew it. (laughs) It doesn't matter. You can try to make yourself this spiritual isolationist, but it's not going to matter. You still are a sinner. Now, how do you balance out all the bad influence that we see around this world? We got to deal with that we got to deal with that there's bad influence everywhere each parent individually has to decide look i know a good friend of mine he was um very went very very far in baseball and his son played baseball up to a certain age and he knew and he had trained him and he had taught him that at a certain age you're not gonna play anymore because he knew he went through it as soon as that high school ball starts drinking girls partying and then college more drinking more girls more partying and they throw it at them because you're a big superstar because you're 18 years old you got some muscles you can swing a ball bat and you got a nice expensive ball glove anything wrong with it no But there is something that kind of comes along with other things that we need to be careful of. We need to be aware of. We need to have a plan in place for because it's spiritual warfare. What is the fall that we all have to watch out for? Pride. I can't believe the preachers preaching against against that because I'm good at it. Just fill in whatever it is. We need to be careful. That good thing which was committed unto thee. We like good things. Man has a nice house, what do we say? Oh man, you're blessed. Man has a nice car, we say oh man, you're blessed. Man has a bank full of money, man, you're blessed. How about the hope of heaven? Isn't that enough to be blessed about? That's a blessing. But most men don't see it that way. Eternal life, the hope of heaven, is better than all the money that all the rich clothes that money could buy. Because the day of death is coming. And because you don't think, and I don't think it's coming for us today, we're going to live for things. We're going to live for stuff. How do you know you're living for things? How do you know you're living for stuff? You're just going to slip a little Jesus in here and there and think that everything's all right. How about slipping, how about living for the Lord and slipping a little of the other stuff in? Maybe we maybe maybe we flip it. Maybe that's a way to deal with it. If you've got things, I've got things. You got things, I got them. Put them to the best use that you can. Don't abuse them. Don't idolize them. And don't let those things define who you are. You know that something is valuable to somebody because they will labor to acquire it. You know that. Why do kids have a little bank account or a little thing? They're going to save money because they want to buy Well, it'll be a football, then it'll be a bike, then it'll be a 22, then it'll be a uh, motorbike. Nothing wrong with wanting those things. If it's valuable to you, you work to acquire it. If we say the gospel of Jesus Christ is that valuable, but we don't work to get it out to a lost and dying world, What is really valuable to us? You're saying you're against things. I'm not. I've got them. I work toward them. I try to put them to good use. I fail sometimes. And we all need to put things in perspective so that we don't let those things define who we are. All right. Everybody awake? If you're awake, say, I'm awake. Amen. That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. The Holy Ghost resides in every single believer. You trust the Lord Jesus Christ. Woo, what a great honor that is. God dwelleth in you. That's great. What more comfort do you need? You can really get access you just you, you just gain access to that. Get your head wrapped around that. Little kids, children, pay attention. You, I know it's hard. I know it's hard. If you're saved, a couple of, couple of kids here are saved. You lay down at night. You're afraid. It's dark. No matter how many times you tell kids, the dark can't hurt you. For some reason, they're afraid of the dark. And this is an argument. All all spouses have arguments. This is one of our arguments. We stopped arguing about this. I let her win. (laughs) Look, why would you have a kid, put him in a room, put a nightlight in there, and turn the hallway light on and tell him not to be afraid of the dark? Of course he's going to be afraid of the dark. Turn all the lights out. Just let him grow up in the dark, and he won't be afraid of the dark. And Now the kids got to turn. I need the hallway light on. I need... Now who's right? Well, it depends who's preaching. <laughs> Look, the point is, what I'm, where I'm going with this is, whether you're afraid of the dark or not afraid of the dark, whether you leave the hallway light on or don't leave the hallway light on, if you're saved, you've got the Holy Spirit indwelling in you. That's all the spiritual comfort you need amidst all of the physical pain, dark, calls mental anguish, right? All of the physical anxiety, all of the bad physical environments that we have to deal with, you've got the Holy Spirit indwelt in you. How do these missionaries do it? How do these people in these third world countries do it? When they get the Holy Spirit, it's all over for them. They finally found the comfort they were looking for. And they got it. How many of you will go into the White House and just start tearing stuff down and redecorating? How many of you go into the, 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 the biggest house in Cookville, the biggest house in the county, and just start tearing things down? You wouldn't do that. You'd be afraid to do it. You'd be embarrassed to do it. You'd be ashamed of what it would do to your social reputation. Yet Christians, they've got the Holy Ghost and dwelling in them and they'll think nothing of allowing sin to come into their life to tear it down and mess it up. We've got the Holy Spirit. If you wouldn't do that to a rich man's house and you wouldn't do that to the White House, you wouldn't. why would you tear down The temple, the building that God gave you, and the Holy Spirit is dwelling in it. Why would you do that? Do you think the richest guy in town would want to go live on the the west side where the projects are? Do you think he would want to go and, and dwell in one of those houses? He wouldn't. He wouldn't. He's worked too hard, he's got too much life experience. And He's got a little bit of patience left. And He ain't spending it there. But the King of Glory decides He's going to come down and dwell in you after He saves you. Wow! That's something to get a hold of. He's rich in mercy, and He dwells inside a poor sinner. What more honor do you want? What more greater comfort can you ask for? Remember, in closing, you and I were dirty before God. He's clean. You and I were unrighteous before God. He's righteous. You and I were defiled sinners who were the definition of uncleanness. That was us. And you know what God did? He stepped down, humbled Himself, admired the humbleness, died on the cross, shed His blood, Admire His worthiness, rose from the dead, glory in His power, He's seated at the right hand of God, who hath immortality dwelling in the light, which no man can approach unto. Why would He dwell in the darkness of your black heart and in my black heart? Answer, He won't. That's why He gives you a new heart. And He makes you a new creature. And you find your worth in Him. And I find my worth in Him. And praise God. He dwells in us. Real holiness. Real comfort. What was filthy is now clean. What is dark is now filled with the light of the world. Praise His name. That's something to get excited about. Would you bow with me, please? Thank you, Father God, for your word. Thanks again that we can gather here to hear preaching. We can enjoy this building. It's a real blessing. Lord, we ask that we really get a hold of. Hold fast to sound words. Let's get the gospel out to someone that needs it this week. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. Thanks a bunch for listening. For more information about Pilgrim Baptist Church, be sure to visit us online at pilgrimbaptist.church where you can also send me a personal message or learn more about joining us for a church service. And remember, Christ is all.